Lord, that's our prayer, that your spirit would help us understand what you say to us through the Bible this morning, and that we would be able to love you and love each other with the kind of love that you want to give us, so that we could be freed and so that we could know you better. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. As part of my preparation to become a pastor, I worked as a chaplain one summer in a hospital. And in the afternoons, I would visit cancer patients in their room. But the mornings were spent in a group therapy session with the other chaplains in order to get in touch with our feelings. I hated it. I don't want to be in touch with my feelings. They scare me. About halfway through the summer, one of the other chaplains said to me, You know, Scott, you're the only one in our group who hasn't cried yet. And the leader of the group said, yes, Scott, why is that? How do you feel about that? Shall we talk about your mother? And for the rest of the summer, they made it their goal to try to get me to cry. I never once cracked. Because you see, I was raised in eastern Washington, where we have no feelings. And we certainly never cry, except on very special occasions, something very moving like when our favorite tractor wins the tractor pull or something like that. (laughs) Or we hear Garth Brooks sing. That'll do it too. But I'm just taking a guess here. I don't think that's how God would want me to be, emotionally repressed and all that. I think it's very important to notice that in the scripture we read this morning, Jesus says that the greatest commandment is not to know God. It's not to obey God. It's not to serve God, although all of those things are important. He says the greatest commandment is to love God and emotion with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. We're in a sermon series called The Four H's, and we're talking about how in order to energize our spiritual lives, we need to follow Jesus in four ways, and they all begin with H. Head, heart, hands, and habits. And last week I talked about following God with our head, our minds. This week I want to talk about the heart, because all four of these matter. You can't just do one without the other. They have to be in balance. So today I want to talk about the heart, loving God and loving our neighbor. Now, in order to do that, I think it's important that we first define what we mean by the word love. Because in our culture, love is a feeling. But in the Bible, love was more an action than a feeling, Love is a commitment to seek the good of another person. Now, of course, it's very hard to seek someone's good without eventually coming to feel feelings of love for them. Sometimes the feelings come first and that leads us to action. Sometimes the action comes first, that leads to the feelings. But always love is an action to seek the good of someone else. And in order for us to live spiritually energized lives, we have to love God and our neighbor with our whole heart. Actions and feelings together. And there are a couple of ways we do this. First, we have to experience God's love ourselves. Can't give what you don't have. And I think that's hard to do because we can't see God and it can be hard to experience love from someone that we can't see. But at a deeper level, I think the real issue for a lot of us is that we don't feel lovable. And it's very hard for us to believe that God would love us. From the time we're little kids, we get all kinds of messages that we're not lovable or or that we have to earn love and approval. Whether it's the parents who shamed us or were never there for the baseball game, 
peers who rejected us, friends who jilted us, spouses who betrayed us, over and over again, we get these messages that we're not worthy of love. And that makes it very hard to experience God's love. And the problem with that is you can't really love someone else, yourself, God, someone else, until you first experience love. Most importantly, God's love, because that's the purest kind of love there is. As First John puts it, we love because he first loved us. Our love is a response to God who loved us so much that he came in the person of Jesus and was willing to die for us so we could be reconciled to him. And I think there's a couple of ways that we can experience God's love. There's actually a lot. I'm just going to list a few. The first is we can read the Bible. This is a story about how much God loves you. Read it. And substitute your name in Scripture wherever you can. For instance, read John 3.16 with your name in it. For God so loved Scott that he gave his only begotten son that if Scott believes in him, Scott will not die but have eternal life. You read it that way and you realize just how much God loves you. Another way to experience God is in prayer. Experience God's love is in prayer. Take some times of silence to meditate on the amazing truth that the God of the universe loves you. Regardless of what you did or didn't do, he loves you. Take some time to hear him saying to you, hear in his voice, I love you and I am pleased with you. One of the ways I experience God's love the most is to look back over the ways that he's cared for me in the past. Two years ago, when Christina and I were driving out of California to move up here, I couldn't help but think back on the ways that God had been there for me. And think back that 11 years earlier, I had driven into California, beat up and bruised from a divorce, and just sure that I had nothing to offer anybody. And 11 years later, I was driving out of California with a family and knowing that God had called me into ministry and wanted to use me that way. The first, and I felt incredibly loved. I felt like this God had loved me so much that he guided me every step of the way. The first step in loving God with our whole heart is to experience his love. The second way that we follow Jesus with our whole heart is to worship him passionately with our whole heart. That's right, Presbyterians. I said worship him passionately. I know words that don't often go together in a Presbyterian sanctuary. I know a guy who's uh, Swedish and... He's always joking about how emotionally subdued he is. He says, you know, you'll know when I get really excited because that's when I'll say, you betcha. (laughs) And he says, every once in a while, every once in a blue moon, I just go hog wild and I lose all emotional control. And that's when I say, yeah, sure, you betcha. (laughs) Sometimes that's how I am in worship. You know, the God of the universe, the God who spun the Milky Way, loves me so much that he wants to be in a relationship with me. And he wanted it so badly that he was willing to die for me. And my response is to go, hmm, interesting. Now, I'm not saying that we should all be jumping up and down in the aisles when we're singing. Although, if you want to do that, that's okay. I give you permission. You might get looked at, but I give you permission. But I think it does mean that we need to approach God with our hearts as well as with our minds. Because when I do that, when I really come to God with my heart in worship, as opposed to thinking what everyone else around me is thinking about me, And when I come to him, not just with my head, but with my heart, my faith becomes more than a religion or a routine. It becomes a relationship. And that's what God longs for. And I think it's what we long for. It's like in marriage. You know, when Christina and I were first dating, I would write her these letters filled with passionate, romantic things. I mean, that's what's great about having studied Shakespeare. You can woo women. 
Guys, read your Shakespeare. Read the Bible, but read Shakespeare, man. It works. It really, it's great. I'd write these really passionate things, but, you know, now we've got kids, jobs, all that. All too often, all we say to each other is something like, did you take out the garbage or should I? You know, nary a thee nor a thou anywhere. You know, just something's wrong. Something's happened. That's why it's good every once in a while for us just to get together without the kids, reconnect and say, I love you. Now, I know in my head that we love each other, but when we say it from our heart, it just becomes a lot more real. And I think it's the same in worship. When we put our heart into it, our relationship with God becomes a relationship. It becomes much more real. So, at home or in your car, listen to music that opens you up to God. Focus on the words of the songs and and what they mean. I find it helpful sometimes to close my eyes and sing directly to God. I don't do that in the car, don't worry. But, you know, sometimes, I mean, it just, it helps me focus on Him rather than everything else that's going on around me. If it helps you to raise your hands in worship, you can do that. Uh, I do that occasionally. Something about that physical gesture that just opens me up to God in a different way. You know, and I've noticed some of you do this, only sort of Presbyterian-like. You kind of go like this, right? You know, I've seen you. Uh-huh. Yeah, I see you out there. You know what? If you need to go to 10 to 2, you have my permission. You can do that. And you don't have to either. If you don't want to, you don't have to. If it helps you, clap your hands during worship. Certainly there are times when the music or what's going on is quiet and reflective and the appropriate response is just to take it in quietly. But other times you may want to clap. Did you know that in the Bible people clap? There's a lot of clapping in the Bible, by the way. A lot of clapping, a lot of shouting, a lot of dancing in the Bible. Did you know that the reason people clapped their hands in Scripture was because it was when they agreed with something? If you agreed with something, you'd clap your hands. When we clap in church, it is not applause for a performance or a way of keeping rhythm. Clapping is saying, amen, I agree with what just was sung. So, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. (laughs) You can do that. (laughs) See? That, we're we're just, this is awesome. Amen and everything. What you just did, you say, I agree. Amen, I agree. Lord, you get the praise. As a response to God's love for for how much he loves you, worship him with your whole heart. Give his love back. Whether that's quietly and and reverently and meditatively for you, or whether it's more outward, give give his love back in worship. Because when we do that, we experience him at a deeper level. We follow Jesus with our whole heart when we experience his love, when we give it back to him in passionate worship, and then finally... When we love others as we love ourselves. And notice this comes last. This comes after we have experienced God's love. It's after he has filled us up with how much he loves us. And we realize that we are lovable and then we're able to give it away. And when we do that, we energize our spiritual lives. The text we read today said God is love. You've got to understand that that is an earthquake in the history of religious thought. Nobody ever thought that thought before. I mean, always before Jesus, God was a lot of things. He was holy. He was just. He was righteous. He was angry. But God is love. That is a thought that only Jesus thought. And the only way we know that is because of Jesus and because of what he did. God is love. And so when we love others, we experience the very essence of who God is. That's what First John means. Love is perfected when we love one another. We know God at a deeper level. 
Part of following Jesus with our whole heart is to connect our heart to his heart and let our hearts be broken for the things that break his heart. Loneliness, poverty, injustice, suffering. Let our hearts be broken because those things break his heart. And then love the people that he loves. And one of the things I just love about you as a church, one of the things I am so proud of when I get to talk about this church, and I just love is you guys are so good at this. So good at loving people, both inside this church and outside there in the community. I was talking with one of our members this week whose daughter was born with very serious birth defects. And the daughter wasn't expected to live for very long, but ended up living 23 years. And this mother talked about how people from this church surrounded her and her family and prayed for her and her family and were there for her and her family when they needed something. A few people from this congregation went to visit her daughter, which was a very hard thing to do. Her daughter was in a special care facility for children in very fragile health with very special health needs. It was a very intense place, very difficult to go, but people from this church would go and meet her daughter so that they could know who she was talking about and pray for her and pray with her. And this mother said to me, you know, there was nothing they could do to change my daughter's condition, but they could be there with me. And that made me feel like I wasn't alone. And she said, you know, you go through times like this and you just can't help but ask, where's God in this? And she said, the answer is in those, God is in those people who come alongside of you just to be there with you. And of course, those people who were there for this woman and her family, they got blessed too. They got to see God in a much deeper way. Their heart was broken for the things that break God's heart. And they were loving the people that God loves. And that's how our hearts grow bigger over time, not smaller. First, we experience God's love, and then we love the people that he loves. Inside the church, and also outside there in the community as well. By by being there for a neighbor, or a co-worker, or a friend. Or tutoring at Stevenson, or or for Kid Reach. You could sign up today to do that. Or or going to the workday at Stevenson on August 13th and showing the world out there the love of Jesus. If we are going to energize our spiritual lives, we need to follow Jesus with our whole heart by experiencing his love, giving it back to him in passionate worship, and then loving others as he loves us. Now, as I said last week, all this needs to be in balance with those other three H's. Right? If all we do is just sort of the heart stuff... We become emotionally sloppy Christians. You know, sort of like the old joke, how many Northern Californians does it take to change a light bulb? Five. One to change it and four to share the experience, right? We don't want to be that way, right? And if we are, we'll get blown around by every emotion that comes our way. Every new idea will just be blown here and there. That's why you need all four H's in balance. Head, heart, hands, and habits. But for many of us, the H that we need to focus on is the heart, following Jesus with our heart. I got an email this week from a woman who is fairly new to our church. Two years ago, she got laid off from her job at Boeing. A few months later, she started doing some temporary contract work. And at one of her assignments, she met a woman from this church who invited her to come to church here. And this is what she wrote me about her experience in coming here. These are her words. She said, the instant I walked in the door, the greeter said, welcome. And I literally felt like I'd come home after a long, tiring journey. Originally, I set up in the balcony, but after several weeks, one morning when I was getting ready for church, I heard a voice tell me 
sit down on the main floor today. As soon as I sat down, a woman introduced herself and we struck up a conversation. She invited me to come to the All Singles Fellowship. After the sermon was over, we headed over to the Alpha sign-up booth and I signed up. Then I went through the new members class and the gifts discovery class. There are no words that can express what this church and the people here mean to me. I wouldn't have made it through this experience without the love and support of each person that was there for me when I needed them. This church has become like my family. I also know that the purpose for my being laid off was to help me find my way back to God. I'd been longing to do that for years, but I always let other things get in the way. The last 16 months have been some of the most difficult I've ever experienced. Along with being unemployed and uncertain about my future, we also found out that my mother has Alzheimer's disease, and I can see her slipping away a little bit at a time every time I visit her. In spite of how my fellow Christians kept reminding me that God had a plan for my life, I just couldn't see it. I just knew that I was going to end up homeless and living on the streets. But God brought me back into the light. The job he eventually led me to is much better than anything I could have ever dreamed of in my own imagination. And my heart is so full of gratitude and joy that it feels like it's going to burst. I feel like I can't live long enough to give back everything that I have been given. I've been blessed beyond comprehension, and I'll be thanking God and singing his praises for the rest of my days. That's how it's supposed to work, isn't it? That's how this community is supposed to work. During a difficult time, this woman's heart was captured by the heart of God. He spoke directly to her through, through bringing her here, also through the ways he guided her through these tough circumstances, but also through you. You who just said hello to her, just a simple hello and struck up a conversation and welcomed her here. You who invited her to all those different groups and were just there for her when she needed you. There wasn't anything you could do to fix her problems, but you were there. And that kept her from feeling alone. You were Jesus with skin on. And now she is so filled with thanksgiving and joy, she doesn't think she can live long enough to give it all back again. That's what it means to follow Jesus with our whole heart. First, we experience his love. Then we give it back to him in passionate worship and love others just as he's loved us. So, how can you experience God's love? And then how can you give it away? Maybe you want to join a small group. That is a great way to experience community. If you're not in one, we're going to have an organizational meeting on May 16th. I'd encourage you to be there. Maybe you want to worship God with, with more of your heart and work on doing that. Or just come alongside someone in need, not to fix their problem, but just to be there with them and just have your heart join their heart and just have compassion for them. And if you are that person in need today, stop by our prayer room after the service and there will be people here to help you and to pray with you and to be with you and to join their heart with your heart. There are a lot of suggestions in the 4-H booklet that you got when you came in on how we can do this, I'd encourage you to try one or two of them because when we follow God with our heart, it makes life just a lot more fun. You know, the Bible can really be described as a love story. It is about a God who is in passionate pursuit of a people who are frantically running away from him. God is a passionate lover, and the proof of that is Jesus. God himself coming to us in human form and saying, I love you so much, I'd rather die than lose you. In fact, we even refer to Jesus' death and resurrection as the passion of Christ. 
And if we want to know love, we got to know Jesus. He wrote the book on love. He is God's love in the flesh. And if we hang on to him, we'll know how to love because he has a very big, passionate heart. After Christina and I had been dating a couple of months, I introduced her to my family. And uh, you got to know that in my family, we're not real big into the hugging thing, as some of you have pointed out to me. I don't do that very well. But I'm getting better, y'all. After two years, I think I'm much more hug-oriented than I was before. If my family hugs at all, we do the kind of A-frame hug. You know, you lean way over and barely touch each other so you make as little physical contact as is possible according to the laws of physics. You know, and then, and then you give that little tap-tap on the back that says, you know, this has lasted more than a nanosecond and I'm uncomfortable now, so we're done. Right? That's how my family did it. Well, Christina is not that way at all, in case you haven't noticed. So she just waltz right up to my parents, never met them before in her life, and they went for the A-frame thing, but she just grabbed onto them and gave them big old bear hug and said, it is so good to meet you. We've been better huggers ever since. Transformed our relationships, right? That's God. God is not this emotionless being. God is not Mr. Spock from Star Trek. He's not a set of propositions or rules. God is not an A-frame hugger. God is love, and not just in moderation, not just in Northern European, do we actually have to say it, how about if we just shake on it kind of a thing? No, God is passionately, furiously, fervently, ardently in love with you. And the thing he is after more than anything else, the object of his passion, the object of his pursuit, the apple of his eye, is your heart. That's what he wants. And when we give it to him, and he grabs onto us, and we experience his love, well, then you just can't help but give it away. And when that happens, you are experiencing the very essence of who God is. Love. And there's nothing more thrilling than that. Lord, I thank you so much that you gave us a heart. Lord, I pray that you would help grow our hearts. Lord, help us to receive your love, experience your love. Give it back to you and then, Lord, love others the way you've loved us so that we can know what it means to be in relationship with you, so that we can know you better. Most of all, Lord, so that we can have the abundant life that you came to give us, a vital relationship with you, and let that be what sustains us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.